0: Good evening and welcome to the Soho Theatre on June the 10th, 2012, for No Pressure to Be Funny, created by Alistair Barry and Nick Revel and podcasting on the British Comedy Guide. What better way to start the show than by introducing a man who was described on his phone-in show in Jubilee Week by a caller named Liz as a traitor? We had no <laughs> yeah, we had no idea Her Majesty was such a big LBC fan. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Mr. James O'Brien.
1: Welcome to No Pressure to be Funny, coming to you directly this evening from the cabaret bar of the Soho Theatre, which is underground, right next to the Central Line, and therefore in imminent danger of flooding at any moment, as indeed it turns out is the rest of the country. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Britain, the only country in the world that implements flood warnings when there's a hosepipe ban. The terrible weather through the Diamond Jubilee weekend led some to speculate that God might be a Republican. Evidently devised by a lottery winner on crystal meth, the celebrations revolved around the reenactment of a Canaletto painting on the Thames whilst an elderly couple were forced to stand in torrential rain for several hours. My absolute favourite moment of the now legendary BBC coverage was when the commentator said... Kate and William there, walking and talking. <laughs> A role they have slotted into beautifully. The madness was compounded by Madness, who played our house from the top of Buckingham Palace while images of council flats were projected onto the front of it. I, I, if that is not taking the piss, then frankly I don't know, I don't know what is. Well Peter Kay, of course, introduced Paul Winston McCartney to the adoring crowds. Winston was, of course, John Lennon's middle name. Thank God Kay didn't get to introduce anyone else with murdered friends. The reception for Elton Diana John <laughs> would have been a little awkward, to say the least. Indeed, probably the only sensible behaviour was exhibited by Prince Philip's bladder, which which enabled its host to take the night off. The European Festival of Racism sorry, the European Football Championships are, are, under, are underway this weekend, of course, in Poland. And Ukraine. Now, no one has given England much of a chance, but luckily, every commentator seems to have translated our slim hopes into a quiet certainty of victory. The logic is clear. As we are worse than usual, we are bound to win the championships by employing the element of surprise. The only real surprise, of course, is that we can continue to lecture the hosts on racism while our former captain awaits trial on charges of... um... racism. (laughs) And finally, in Greece, a neo-Nazi MP and former commando assaulted two female MPs when one of them called him a fascist. Of course, the only honourable way to disprove that public slight on your reputation is to beat up two women. Live on TV. Thank you very much. Thank you. Time now for our musical guest, making a welcome return to No Pressure to be Funny, Paul Thorne.
2: Thank you very much. Hello. I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, the Taliban. Uh, <laughs> Got some fans in. I'm not a fan of the Taliban. Any Taliban in there? No, they, they don't travel. Don't travel as much as they used to. Um, I, 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 if you ban, well, what occurred to me is if you ban all forms of, you know, displays of emotion or whatever. There's no music, no dancing. I thought, well, how do you get your kids uh, to sleep at night? So I've written what I'm convinced is the only existing Taliban lullaby. Um, I wrote it for a friend of mine out there in Kandahar, does a bit of DJing. Um, <laughs> Fatwa Boy Slim. Uh, <laughs> I think that joke might be better than the rest of the song now. I think I might just abandon it to guys. So, this is a, this is a Taliban uh, lullaby, strap in. Uh, well, unless you're a suicide bomber. No. <laughs> upon a time in a land far away lived three fundamentalist teddy bears they all lived together in a theocratic state being good and saying bear prayers now daddy bear and baby bear they both had big facial hair and did what they want and could go out anywhere mummy bear would moan they wouldn't let her out alone never in a million years not without a chaperone it was her own fault for being born a girl bear <laughs> Goldilocks came and knocked on the teddy bear's door You know why she was called Goldilocks Don't you children? That's right She was a dirty, evil, infidel whore Well she confirmed their worst fears She had liberal ideas and she didn't have paws and little fluffy ears She was mad as a hatter that would have to deal with the matter So on God's behalf they gathered round and threw stones at her Then they all lived happily ever after Except for Baby Bear who got some ammunition and he went to London on a suicide mission. He walked into Hamley's toy store and blew himself up on the second floor. There was stuffing everywhere, there was a product recall. They couldn't get Baby Bear back together at all. His fluffy little midriff could never be replaced, so they sold Baby Bear as a pyjama case. But Baby Bear Spirit went up to heaven to claim his prize from the Lord. He'd be told he'd get 72 virgins, all through himself as a reward. But the Lord did say, oh, for me's sake, not another fool who's made that mistake. I'm afraid to say, you've been led astray. We haven't had 72 virgins here since George Best came to stay. (laughs) He said, you and me, we just go, won't get along because you've only read one book and you read that wrong. And with a wave of a hand, the great creator pointed him towards the down escalator and said, that's the way to eternal hell. If you get lost, just follow the Christian fundamentalists. They're going as well. See, freedom of speech is a beautiful thing and that's what's fundamental and if your religion doesn't allow for it, you're not just wrong, you're probably fucking mental. And a wee bit overjudgmental. And I'm guessing a tad temperamental. Which to my health could be somewhat detrimental. So I'd just like to point out this is a work of fiction. Any similarities to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Sleep tight, children.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Thorne. Let's get your fellow panellists onto the stage soonest. Our first guest is a comedian and actor who has appeared on Michael McIntyre's Comedy Roadshow and the Royal Variety Performance. So is clearly nowhere near as big a traitor as me. Uh, please welcome to the stage Hal Cruttenden. <laughs> Our next panellist is... A, a, a no pressure regular, and we are truly mm-hmm. delighted to have her back. The deputy editor of the New Statesman magazine, Helen Lewis. <laughs> Our final guest this evening is a late but very welcome addition to the panel. Frankly, anyone who has been sentenced to 59 years in jail by the Burmese junta has a rather better excuse for being late than most of us do. <laughs> It is, therefore, our our genuine and great pleasure to welcome the comedian, activist, and, I am delighted to say, ex-political prisoner, ladies and gentlemen, Zaganar. It's a, it's a genuine pleasure to have us to have you here on what is, of course, your first. <laughs> sorry, it's also, a genuine pleasure for you to have us here, but uh, uh, maybe a little presumptuous in the circumstances. It is, it is, it is your first visit to this country, your first visit to Britain. W- would you, would you share with us some of your first impressions, perhaps, whether the, the ideas that you're getting as you make your way around England?
3: Yeah, this is my first experience to the broad and first experience. I got a chance to hand my own country's passport, and first visit to the London. When I saw the London, it's very similar to your Queen. Very old and weak.
4: <laughs> <laughs> have, have you learned nothing from fifty-nine years?
3: Somebody call the authorities. <laughs> But I'd like to say to the thanks to your government because they captured our king and queen since 1885.
1: It was 1885. I was going to ask yeah.
3: you that later. At that time, sir, I've, in our country, there's no monarchy so, very thank you for your government to get your <laughs> you're, well, you're, you're very welcome, That's the least we can
1: do in the circumstances. Um, I, I, on a, obviously, more, more serious note, explain, if you would, w- what brought you to court? What were you arrested for? What were your, what were your crimes, alleged crimes?
3: Uh, I was arrested four times. And almost, I think, uh, I spent almost 11 years in the prison. And actually, they arrested me uh, according to the using of the internet. Did the they... internet using is uh, illegal in our country. And also, uh, they don't like to use the internet in our country. And because, according to, because of the using of the internet, we can get contacts with the, some Burmese exiled people from the London and the United States. So they don't like, the government didn't like, and arrested me. At that time, the very strange things was happening in my apartment. Uh, They they searched my rooms, where is the computer? They asked me. So I showed them, this is my computer. So they took in my computer, just only the monitor.
5: (laughs) 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 This
4: is...
1: This is this is the this is the Burmese equivalent of special branch.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and and it's it's the it's the mere use of the internet that constitutes an offence. Does it matter what you were sending as an email, or is it simply the fact that you were, if you will, on the internet that constituted the crime?
3: Yes, but you, you use the email. It's a very strange thing and other things. So when I sent to the when I was sent to the trial, the chief judges asked me hey, Zagna, do you have email address? So I replied to him, yes, my email address is tuya61 at gmail.com. So the, the, the judge, very angry, and hey, I asked you, give me email, why are you giving me Gmail? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 me. But I got a 15 sentence for this.
1: I, and you served in, in total about how many years in prison? About four or five?
3: Actually, the last in, time. Yes. The last time I had nearly four years in prison.
1: Did you? I, I, I sense this is a, a question that most people will be able to guess the answer to, but did you keep your sense of humour? Were you cracking jokes even while you were in handcuffs, in, incarcerated, locked up?
3: Yes, because they always handcuffed in front of the... Uh, in front of the judge. And also, when I was in the, the prison, uh, they, they always make me some bad treatment. But every time I can survive, and I, I can coming out from their tortures because according to my sh- sense of humor, I can say like this. So uh, at the time, uh, one, one of my experience, when they interrogated me in the camp, uh, they, they, they put it on the mask on my head. So I cannot see anything. At the time, they handcuffed me just like this, and they kick my body, and they punch my body behind my body. And then they, they, they told me, you don't need to see backward. <laughs> oh, how can I see backward? Because there are masks. I cannot see anything. <laughs> but they, they told me, you don't look backward. You don't look backward. Just like that. But at the time, I'm laughing. I was laughing. (laughs) So they are very angry. Why are you laughing? I'm kicking, punching. But I'm laughing because they always tell me, you don't look backward. It's a very very strange thing.
1: It is. uh, I'm just still reeling from the notion of being sent to jail for actually using the internet. I feel guilty enough as it is for only using mine for pornography and poker. (laughs) And cat videos. Thank you, Helen. Um, <laughs> as, as regular visitors or previous visitors to No Pressure to Be Funny will know, the, the, the panel section of the program usually begins with a section that we call the Devil's Advocate. Now, this is where one of us will take a somewhat contrary position on a, on a topical or, or relevant story of the moment. So, with the motion that the Devil's Advocate believes that Burmese prisons. Aren't all that bad. Would you please welcome a slightly nervous Alistair Barry to the stage?
6: (laughs) Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Uh, This seemed like such a funny idea in the script meeting. (laughs) Anyway, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that while I know absolutely nothing about Burmese prisons, as an Englishman, that is no barrier whatsoever to speaking about them with complete authority. (laughs) This is a little trick we picked up in the 18th and 19th centuries when we got to rule most of the planet, which is, as we know, the natural order of things. (laughs) The fact that the empire of which Burma was a part no longer exists is merely a blip. And we are certain that normal service will shortly be resumed. <laughs> you only had to look at last week's Jubilee celebrations to realise that most of Britain already believes this. <laughs> Many of you may not know that the name of our guest, Zaganah, translates as tweezers. Indeed, I did not know that myself until this morning, which is what Wikipedia is for. <laughs> As a comedian, Zaganar is known for his use of puns, so he must have laughed during the 1988 uprising when he was arrested and detained in Rangoon's notorious insane prison. Notorious it may be, but you can't deny that's a cracking name for a correctional facility. (laughs) And it's important to retain both your sense of humour and perspective. For instance, Zaganar's 2006 film, Run Out of Control, may have been banned by the Burmese junta, but then I once got two stars in The Independent, so we do have a great deal in common. (laughs) Similarly, in May 2006, Zaganar was banned from performing in Burma for speaking to the BBC regarding government regulations on the Thingyan Water Festival while one of my jokes about the hosepipe ban recently failed to make it onto Radio 4. So I do feel we're very much singing from the same song sheet here. (laughs) Of course, there are differences. Uh, As a result of his incarceration, Zaganar got to appear at the Secret Policeman's Ball in New York. (laughs) While I am still (laughs) waiting for the call from Amnesty International, so I think we all know who suffered here. (laughs) In terms of Burmese prisons themselves, the thing to note is that as a result of the actions of a repressive and dictatorial regime, they are literally teeming with intellectuals and political dissidents. So the quality of conversation must be far above anything available in this country. Hideous overcrowding can only add to the repartee. Surely the banter in Burma must rise well above discussing which make of trainer you liberated from Footlocker last August. <laughs> Added to which... We are in the presence of a graduate of the Rangoon Institute of Dental Medicine. Name me another country where you get your own dentist thrown into prison with you. We very rarely throw dentists into prison in this country, although that is perhaps one of our system's principal failings. So... Amusingly named and full of fascinating conversationalists. Clearly, Burmese prisons really aren't all that bad at all. Although, I wouldn't mind sending my old dentist and the Independent's Julian Hall to one just to see what they think. I mean, I'd hate to pontificate on something I know nothing about. That's simply not the English way. Now, please tell me he's smiling.
4: <laughs> Alistair Barry, ladies and
6: gentlemen.
1: <laughs> uh, Zaganaw, would you would you like to uh, respond to the, uh, to that example of what we like to call English humour?
3: <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: uh, Hal Cruttendon? I, I shall I shall come to you first. Uh, do do you find that your, your comedy ever leads you into Trouble with the authorities? Yeah, I'm incredibly hard-hitting and dangerous, and... Um, <laughs> I don't think you needed to tell us that.
4: No, anyway. no, no, it's clear. No, 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 I mean, that's the thing. I, I, who ever really... We, we, I mean, this, we've got so many reviewers who say these comedians are dangerous, hard-hitting, yeah, they're on the line, and they're just, you know, Frankie Boyle doing gags about, you know, little kids or paedophiles, it's not that dangerous. No-one's getting into trouble, no-one's being risking anything, no-one's really getting... You know, has to risk being sent to prison. And so, but... It always, I always question myself when when uh, you know I meet people. Well, I don't meet people like Sargonar a lot, but um, <laughs> but you meet someone who, as as a comic, actually has taken that risk. Because as comics, we never have to think about that. And what would we do if we lived in a society like that? Would we, you know, still do the jokes we want to do, or would we hang back, see if some people get sent to prison, and maybe get a. BBC series, um, but Wait, you mean, you mean I think I'm only about. Ten, and... I am literally ten or fifteen major comics go to prison, and I'm BBC one. Um, but <laughs> no, I've only, the only trouble I've been in with is with with. And you know, I've been held against the wall by a soldier in Wales once, but not on the orders of the government. Just because he was pissed. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's speed dating. It? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Z- Zagana, when you when you started, were you setting out to be funny, or to change the world you lived in, to change Burma? What was your aim?
3: Actually, I'm very much like the freedom of expression. There's in our country, under the military regime, uh, I like to explain to you. Uh, the last three years ago, I've got to visit to the one of the cinema hall. I watch a movie the dictator, that dictator, I didn't afraid of that dictator in the theatre <laughs> because I was living under the dictatorship for the 42 years. So I love and I like to get freedom of expression, so I fight against the dictator with my jokes. So according to that jokes, the, the, the dictator, very angry about me, so sent to the prison just like that.
1: Would you have done... Would you have been a comedian if you had been born in a country without such an oppressive government?
3: Yes, actually, the, the, the government didn't like to criticize. And so uh, at that time, I, I wanted to criticize the government with my jokes. For example, I like to tell you one of my jokes, and uh, they, the government's very angry about their jokes. So uh, at that time, our country was under the 26 year's military regime. So at that, uh, I, I, I told you... the audience, and I told to the people, and uh, there are the three men, one is English man, another one is a, uh, American man, and one is the Burma. And the, the American man said, I have no legs, I can climb to the Mount Everest. Oh, English man said, I have no hands, but I can swim across the Atlantic Ocean. At the time, Burmese people said, I have the no head, I can control the country 26 years <laughs>
1: <laughs> Because Zaganah combines comedy with with, uh, political activism, journalism, writing, filmmaking. Helen Lewis, as as the journalist on on the panel, I I wonder whether any of the the articles you've ever written have have, have caused offence in high places.
5: I was trying to think of the worst thing that anyone's ever said to me, and um, Toby Young said, why is Princess Beatrice reviewing the papers on Sky News? I thought, could have been worse. Uh, And there was a guy who said, I should drink his sperm. (laughs) Oh. I thought, right. oh, I mean <laughs> when
1: you are in, in Burma, when you are in prison or, or you are uh, being pursued by the authorities, how much do you know about the efforts that are being made in the West by organisations like Amnesty International or by journalists to, to draw attention to your condition? How much information reaches you about what people in, for example, Britain are doing?
3: Actually when I was in the prison at the time, I'm, I'm a very depressed and also uh, I was in a solitary confinement and my, my, uh, my health is not good and I felt from the very high pressure, high blood pressure, and so, for example, uh, 210 and 140. So I fell down to the ground and there are no proper treatment, there are no medicines for me. They dragged my body to the 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 center of the road of the prison, and they they threw my body on that ground for the whole night. Then no medical doctors, then no medicines. But I revived by means of my natural cause. At the time, I was very depressed about this, and also they didn't allow me to meet with my family. At the time, I got the sum of the postcards and some of the letters from the England Amnesty International. So I'm very thank you about this. So, so I got many encouragement for this. I knew about this. There aren't many supporters for us, so I have to control, I have to maintain my brain and heart health. It's a very important. So I was born again, just like a phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs>
1: Paul, listening to to Zaganar's contributions this evening, there's a little bit of me that wonders why we get worked up about anything. I mean, I I know there are some pretty heinous ideological undertakings afoot from this government at the moment, but they're not locking people up for using the internet.
2: Perhaps we all. (laughs) But don't people become, I mean, obviously on a smaller scale in this country, but don't people become more politically active when times get a bit harder? Don't don't people start to complain more and, and, and look for more of a kind of a platform to start airing their discontent. I mean, you know, it's been it's been all right for the last, you know, twenty years or so, hasn't it? Before, yes it has. Before the banks start giving mortgages to homeless people. You know, <laughs> you know and, and so there's, there's not politics yeah. has been quite fluffy, hasn't it? Kind of, but
5: actually, you know. we are locking people up for using the internet. So um, Gary McKinnon, who d- you know did some very... He was trying to hack into the, pen, hack into the Pentagon because he thought that he could find evidence of UFOs. He's got Asperger's syndrome. They want to extradite him to the US where they think he'll serve you know, 50 years to 60 years. Um, the guys who are the anonymous lull set guys, you know, these are the people who... When you read like, the biography of Steve Jobs, you find out that he hacked AT&T telephone lines. So he found a way that he could call cross-country for free. These are the kind of incredibly bright people, and we want to send them to prison for 60 years because we've got so into the thing of, like, computers are bad, computers are scary, mm. and if you're the Daily Mail, you know, computers are putting porn in front of your children, and that's our job. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and-, yes.
1: and here's a picture of just how awful it is on no, our no, world-popular no, number-one no, no, website.
5: What
1: is she doing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Zagan, have you, have you seen many British politicians so far on your visit? I know you've been watching a lot of football, but have you <laughs> have you seen much of our parliament
3: oh, I've never visited to the
1: Parliament. Good. If I were you, don't go anywhere near it. It'll it'll only upset you, having devoted most of your life to democracy. To see the bloody mess we've made of it could only be a a profoundly depressing experience. Uh, I was about to say, a profoundly depressing experience, speaking of which, let's bring Nick Revel to the stage. But that that would be a horrible, horrible segue, and and, and unfair, inaccurate, and clumsy. So... uh, What could be less depressing than bringing Nick Revel to the stage?
0: My name's Nick Revel, and I'm anti-Semitic. Not in the traditional sense of the word, but in the modern Zionist sense of being occasionally critical of Israeli foreign policy. It's... It's also been applied in that sense to the chief rabbi of Great Britain, so I am in good company. Um, This week, Benjamin Netanyahu has authorised the demolition of 300 illegal homes in the occupied territories. I call them the occupied territories uh, rather than the West Bank because that's what they are. And he's appeased those who wanted them built by finding a compromise, building 300 homes in the occupied territories in a slightly different location. Now, I I sense somewhere in that there's a logical flaw in the argument, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe that's because I try and understand reality from a logical and rational point of view, a position I'm rapidly realizing um, flies in the face of all conventional human behavior. Um, Of course, the Israelis would claim that somewhere in the Old Testament it proves that God gave the occupied territories to them forever. To me, this seems to reduce a sacred text to some kind of crooked real estate contract. But for for all I know, that is the essential truth of divinity. God is a shyster lawyer. Either that or the omnipotent deity with the most powerful armed forces always wins. But I can't help wondering that the Middle East would be a far more peaceful place if they'd had decent mental health care facilities there in the last 2,000 years or so. I really do. Mohammed, who was it who told you to kill all infidels? God? Right. Okay, love, just roll up your sleeve. You'll feel a little jab, then you'll be calmed down. Oh, bloody hell. Who's let Moses up the mountain into the slate quarry with a hammer and chisel again? Moses, come down off that mountain and take your pills. And nowadays, some Christians, like the Bishop of Carlisle, for example, believe that bad weather and flooding is God punishing us for being too tolerant of homosexuality. Good to have it all explained by an expert. There was me thinking the storms were down to global warming displacing the jet stream, thus causing areas of low pressure to be virtually stagnant over the British Isles for long periods, causing, in turn, far higher than seasonally average precipitation. Turns out I was wrong. It was all down to two gay teenagers, French kissing in a bus stop in Aberystwyth, and God getting angry because no-one was throwing stones at them. Who needs weather satellites when you have the Book of Leviticus? And then you get atheists claiming that human beings would behave better if everybody simply stopped believing in gods altogether, which apparently is an act of faith less naive than believing that all our bad behaviour is down to believing in gods. Um, Everybody wants to be good, and everyone wants to think that's a good idea, to, to be good. But defining good It's a pretty grey area. Once you get past, don't shit yourself on public transport and start throwing it around. I mean, 10,000 years of organised philosophy, and pretty much that is the only thing we can agree on. Anyway, it it just all shows, my point is, that it all shows how out of touch I am with reality, which which brings me to my main point, the the, the monarchy. Uh, I'm
4: not
0: a... I'm not a monarchist myself. I have nothing against individual members of the royal family, personally, but. Well, not all of them. Uh, I, but I just don't get why we would want them. I just don't see the point. Unless having the same ruling family for a thousand years and calling ourselves a democracy is what gives the British our famous sense of irony. But the fact of the matter is, 80% of the British population likes the royals. So maybe it's time Republican lefties like me should just shut up and accept that most people simply don't want a society based on fairness, equality or <laughs> rational principles. But, despite everything, I still believe it, and I'll still continue to argue for it, and I'm late for my medication.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nate Revel, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> I did notice from my introduction, Hal Cruttenden, that no, you have no, performed no. It was a career at the Royal it was Variety Performance. No, no. <laughs> uh, did this involve bowing to the, to the balcony?
4: Yes, I did it gleefully. Um, it's, no, was so that a hiss? <laughs> yeah. All he did <laughs> no, was I, bow. I, but I must admit, when I met her at Royal Variety, I'm I sweaty. out. I was just—you're shaking the hand that shook the hand of JFK and chatted to Churchill did and touched uh, the Queen. I, just, I, I was in awe. Was, what did she well, say? Well, she was right at the end of the line, so she chatted to everybody, and I was, you know, least famous person on the bill. And. Um, and so she came up to me and just did a sort of Sue, uh, is this a busy time of year for you? Because it was Christmas She'd She thought you were that. a shop assistant No, but that is <laughs> 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 she, thought, she thought I worked in the theatre She pissed my set but can that's awful a, to ask. I me have a, a box shit. of licorice all sorts of <laughs> a programme no, no. <laughs> but the, she is so she is so clever because she does that thing of asking about yourself and anybody who asks me if a question about me is, could be there all night so I'm yes. like yes I well, the bloody I'm beginning to, to realise yeah. that they're
2: like our version of the Simpsons aren't they kind of, <laughs> <laughs> in an entertaining dysfunctional kind of way I think they're, they're more interesting when they, when they you know looks like one of them is going to kick off and do
1: something Helen were you surprised at the widespread nature of the jubilation yeah,
5: because I got booked twice to go on telly and be the miserable Republican, and there was there was not a lot of appetite for that. It turned out I got a very angry email from somebody who said Adam Bolton didn't like your true. I think it was like treachery any more than I do. And I thought, well, just, yeah, he's Adam Bolton. He doesn't really lie anything. <laughs>
1: I'm am surprised you're still doing angry email material after we heard from Zaganov.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Zaganov, when when you see us. Celebrating our monarchy, celebrating our queen, it must seem strange to you.
3: Actually, uh, uh, this is my first time I tried to watch the, the queen on the board, but I didn't get a chance to watch. So there are many people, and this is very surprising to me. So uh, actually, I'm, I'm not a mo- I, I don't like the mo- monarchy.
1: Don't be shy. <laughs> nor, nor, nor do we, really, but we're tying ourselves in knots trying to work out why nobody else is of a similar sort of... And I kind of like them on the Jubilee as well, but in, in Burma you see Britain as a great democracy, presumably, a parliamentary democracy, and yet last weekend the whole country stopped to, as if it were a military hunter just to sort of salute, metaphorically speaking, a, a, an old lady who's been on the throne for 60 years.
3: I think the, the, the soldiers salute to their military chief, but no people in Burma they salute to the military chief.
1: Yeah, so, so that makes us really mad, doesn't
3: I'm it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like
1: North Koreans, but without the soldiers just out of camera shot pointing, <laughs> go, we're all waving our little bloody flags for, for yay! Hooray! At least in North Korea they're going, shit! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It's a strange, a strange development. And yet, I suppose we don't see, for us, the monarchy is somehow, as, as Paul said, it's almost like a pantomime, like a theatre show. It's not
3: like politics for us. Yes, I think it uh, is not politics. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I visited to the United States, I, I searched for the uh, Mr. Sylvester Stallone because when I got that uh, Rocky IV DVD... They sent me to prison for the three years.
2: It, it, it is a really
3: That's, bad film. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I like to I like to fight against Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you know, one, one... Not,
4: if you remember the ending, I've seen a lot of changing going on. <laughs> um, <sorry. laughs> it, 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 he, the Politburo stands up and applauds Rocky, it's. It's flu- Okay. Does he sound like.? <laughs> t- I I defend Does was he right, sound like was Tony Blair when he Oh, sorry. That. <laughs> but I, I, but yeah, it's not my best
1: impression. <laughs> sorry, no, sorry, sorry. It was, ra- it was Rambo 4 because it's set on the Burmese border, isn't it? Yes. yes. Oh, it's not Rambo 4. Oh. shit. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I just gave away my deep knowledge of Rambo 4.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, 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 if you have a chance to visit your country, you shouldn't take Rambo 4. Really? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> probably. down crikey! What? What else will I pack instead? <laughs> That's such a gaping hole in my luggage. Yeah. Rambo 4 always is when I when I. Met. It's funny that you mentioned travelling to Southeast Asia because I, I I have an insight into some of the horrors that that, that you probably endured when we came back from Bangkok. In April, there was no film at all on the flight. (laughs) (laughs) And not even on the big screens, let alone the little ones I was expecting to see in the the back of the chair in front. And the other big celebration that we're having in this country during your visit is, is, well, I say celebration, we will be all watching the football. Uh, English football reaches Burma in a way that perhaps other...
3: uh, (laughs) In in other countries, every people, they're very much... Loved all of the footballers from the Premier League. Oh God! Uh, in in our country, the your foot your in English teams is a very famous in our country. So uh, when I was sent to the prisons in Mutina prison, it's very far away from my hometown. Right. At that guy at, at the time, I smuggled. I I like to get it, handphone, the cell phone, a mo- mobile phone. Yeah. Yes, right. mobile phone, and and I got it and. I called outside, and I like to gamble the Premier League football.
1: <laughs> do, do, do you have a favourite team? Or,
3: or? My favourite team is Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you... but,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're picking on a man who has been in prison. Oh, Bloody
3: Chelsea fans, you can't take them anywhere, can you? I, 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 I love the footballers from Chelsea. Oh. I, I, I love the footballers. <laughs> I hate the owner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zagano, what foreign countries supported the regime in, in Burma? Who were the, the allies of the generals and the, and the dictator?
3: Uh, a Burma's dictator in the military regime is a very good contact with the Russia and right. China. The Russians are totally supported to our military regime, so in our country, our Burmese people want to be the James Bond,
1: to go and kill Russians. Yes, they want to go
3: to the trash. (laughs) Yes, is it is it the killing
1: Russians or is it a pen that turns into a fire extinguisher that
3: attracts (laughs) (laughs) that
1: attracts the most? And and what what have you seen of I, I asked you about Parliament? Do do does news of British politicians reach? Burma, because I I think you were in jail for your own election in 2010 we we, we had an election here that year as well, I I wonder if the excitement reached you in your Burmese jail cell (laughs) (laughs) I
3: I missed the two elections, in 1990 uh, uh, the election was held at the time I was in the prison and 2010 election at the time I was in the prison but I I got some messages and I read some journals and magazines about the election. You know, in your country also, the election was done. And I think uh, when, I, when I read about the, your new prime minister's name is David Cameron, yes. I think uh, he will be the James Cameron's son. <laughs> 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 I just think. Yes. I just think. Yes. And then another one is the deputy prime minister, uh, very, very strange for me, and his name is Nick Clegg. Clegg, Nick Clegg, Clegg. Nick Clegg, yes. A- according to our Burmese tradition the words, Nick Clegg means... Nick means sinking. <laughs> and then our Burmese words, Clegg means unmature.
5: So I think you
3: must be an unmature man who is sinking. Yes. It's so, a
1: so very strange thing. <laughs> Slight, as, as you're presented this evening, I'm slightly unnerved by the fact that the most biting political satire of the night it demands an understanding of Burmese and has been delivered by the only person on the panel for whom English is a second or possibly, <laughs> possibly third language. I, 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 I should look at some of the other uh, contributions from the audience, which perhaps Zaganar hasn't had the misfortune of, 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 of knowing about. This just says, Melanie Phillips, why? <laughs> um, Ellen Lewis, you. you, you I, I, uh, much, oh, no. Yes. No, I yes. Didn't feel it. Well, no, but yes. Because <laughs> you, 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 you did used to ply your trade at the Daily Mail, something that you like to keep desperately secret, oh, but which oh, I, as adorable. the.
4: We've all got a little dark secret. <laughs> I've got Royal Variety, you've got the Mail. Yes. Sauls. Oh. Uh,
2: <laughs> my brother's a bond
4: villain.
1: <laughs> 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 and Sargonar's favourite film is Rambo 4. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but there is a valid question there. Why? Not Not in an existential sense, but what role does Melanie Phillips fulfil in the, in the, in the British media?
5: Well, there's a funny thing that uh, happens at the Mail is that, that they discovered when I think when they did audience research that almost no one reads the leader column and that got very boring often, you know, why left-wing agitators want to kill Cliff Richard with the swan. Mm. Um, it's on page 14. Um, but people like to read a paper that's got that in it. Ah. So I think that's the role that they fulfil. Is they're the columnists that people sort of read the headline and go, yes, that is solidly right wing, but don't actually they never need to actually read it, and that's what she's for.
1: I, I love the way that previously you've had to smuggle your thoughts into your art. So filmmakers, for example, uh, while San Suu Kyi remained under house arrest, filmmakers tried to put secret messages in their films.
3: Yeah. So uh, how can I say this is a very secretly we have tried to make that. Flame and, and and at that time uh, I, I was banned, and the uh, government didn't allow me to make the some jokes or the some flame or on stage performance. So we many times we smuggled the the flames and in it. But in our country the censorship is very tight, right? And censorship law is so tight. For example, at that time John Sansuji was arrested and, and she was in the in a house arrest. So uh, I, I I make. I, I created the one movie, and that movie, the, some of the, uh, the, the, the robberies or the, the, the bad guys, they grabbed the, the, the young girl and they kidnapped that young girl. At that time, one of the good guys reached there and, hey, please release that lady. So we used that word, please release that lady. So every artist and every filmmaker used that word in all of their movies, release, lady, everywhere. So that at the time, censor boat, they, they knew about this, release, lady. They, they now remind me. They are one in me. So they announced that censorship and censor boat announced not to use release, lady, <laughs> in your all movie. So... When I make and when I created that movie, and, and they, the, the bad guys grabbed the young lady, the, they, the helper, or the, the good guys, when he reached there, he told him, hey, she, she, she called and screamed, help me, help me. I want to help, but I have no chance to say, release you. <laughs>
1: Is so, I, I'm sorry, I, I got distracted during your story because the influence of Sylvester Stallone on your filmmaking <laughs> is, is very moving to me, Zaganar. La- ladies and gentlemen, that, that is it for pretty much it for this evening. Would you please join me in, in thanking our panel this evening, Hal and Helen Lewis, Paul Thorne, and, of course, our extremely special guest who's, who's lived up to the very loftiest of hopes and expectations, Zaganar. Thank you very much. <clears throat>